0: Welcome to the leadership podcast series, Small Things Make a Big Difference, where I interview leaders all over the world and discover the lessons they have learned and apply on a regular basis that help themselves, their families, the organizations they work for, and the communities they serve in be a better place. My name is Spencer Holt. I'm married to my best friend, Brittany, have four amazing children, and I have a passion for leadership and learning. I've lived in Canada, the US, and England, and can use all three accents when needed. I love working in countries all over the world, helping teams, organizations, and individuals be better and happier by focusing on small things that make a big difference. John C. Maxwell says this, if you think you're leading and no one is following you, then you're only taking a walk. This is This week's guest, one of their favorite leaderships, quote. I'm so excited for you to meet him. Rashad Drakeford, welcome to the show. And tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Man, you know, um, yeah, I'm a guy from Queens, New York. (laughs) That, um, you know, was raised by two amazing parents that uh, saw things in me that I didn't always see myself. And, uh, you know, I just try to... Uh, live a live a life that when I'm gone, you know I, I I always say you know my pastor is saying he's like you know when you go to funerals you never hear anyone talk about oh, like you know this guy worked at this place and he and in 2024 2021 he had you know he drove uh, x amount of revenue and he uh, <laughs> he hit these KPIs and no OKRs no one ever talks about that when when you know when when your life comes to an end they talk about how you know, how you made them feel? Were you a good person? Were you kind? Were you loving? Were you thoughtful? Did you lead a life of, 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 empathy, um, and integrity and, and loyalty? And like, those are things that kind of like really get me, that really make me tick, you know, your life is so short and so fleeting. And I think, you know, we see this, um, you know, it's so sad, the story you hear about the young lady, um, the Miss USA who, um, you know, uh, lost her life and, you know this thing can go so fast, and so to uh, live a life of purpose is kind of like what is most important to me at this point.
0: Oh, I love Which is that. Very
1: different, you know. To, you know, Spencer, like you know, you and I, we've talked about this for so, you know, over the past few months. Like for so long, it was really important, like what you, what I did, and you know, what title I had, and all that type of stuff. And you know, I think one of the great things working with you was like it really helped me kind of. Um, you know, kind of frame out like the feelings I had around um living a life of, you know, of purpose that kind of um, you know, went beyond like just what uh what I was doing to drive the bottom line.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And what's amazing, and Rashad, what I love about your introduction is instead of you saying kind of the cool companies that you've worked for, which you've done, you've worked with some cool companies. And instead of name dropping, because you've worked with some super cool people, you've gone to the value system that you alluded to that your parents have taught you to say, Am I being kind? Am I honest? And what is the legacy that you're leaving? It reminds me, one of my one of my favorite books is by Clayton Christensen. It's How Will You Measure Your Life? If those, if you haven't read it, it it kind of engineers exactly what you've just said. And And so, and and you and I, we've had a a coaching relationship where you've gone on a journey of discovering kind of your leadership formula, your purpose. And one of the things I thought would be fun is you've also created kind of five questions that you're able to ask yourself on a daily basis that kind of helps you make sure your actions are aligned with your intentions. And so I'd love for you just to maybe if you would share with the audience, what are those five questions that you ask yourself um, either before you wake up or maybe before you go
1: to bed or even sometimes during the middle of the day? Yeah, I'm more than happy to share. Typically, I read them to my, I read them out, I read them aloud, by the way. Um, There's something about when you're, you know, when you actually speak something versus like kind of think it, it has a certain power that I find. And so I try to like speak, like the things I'm grateful for every morning. So the three things I'm grateful for, I speak those things and I speak the five questions. And the five questions are, the first one is, are you prepared to meet the moment today? Um, and that's something I got from my father, funny enough. It, you know, all these questions are things that like actually were inspired by other people. Uh, and like that one was my, my dad is literally the hardest working person I've ever met in my entire life. Um, I remember when his job went on strike when uh, we were younger. And um, here's my dad, proud man who you know, was working at ABC, worked with all my children in the Olympics and ABC sports and you know, doing camera engineering. And um, his job went on strike and he had to take a job as a, um, as a stock boy at, um, at the Gap, our local Gap, doing the overnight shift. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, it's honest, honest day's work. Um, but here's a proud man, you know, who was working with Barbara Walters and, you know, and, and and those folks, and was, you know, literally like stacking up jeans. And but he wanted to make sure that um he instilled in us that you always work hard, you always provide for your family, you always get it done, you don't complain. Um, and um, and you and, and like the way he the way he left for work when he was working at the gap, and the way he left for work. When he was working at ABC, we were the exact same. No lateness, always on time, always sharp, always ready for, for the challenge. And I think that's something I've kind of taken from him. Can, Can you I second question? You, is, uh,
0: I'm going to, sorry, I'm just going to pause there, <laughs> Rashad, because you just dropped some serious knowledge bombs there. First of all, let me just repeat Are you prepared to meet the moment? And I love how you've immediately, you go back to what your dad taught you, like, He showed up the same way, whether you whether he was working at the Gap, stocking jeans, which wasn't a glamorous job, or Mm -hmm. he had the glamorous job and it was the value system there and just that consistency of that. And then also, can I just say, read out loud, like I love how you have just said, this isn't something you just read and move on, you say it out loud, there's some power in that everyone listening, try that today. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. Go with number two. No,
1: no. No, worries. The second one is um, what do you want your dash to say? And this was one that was given to my given to me by my pastor, but not directly, but it was actually, I mean, it's actually kind of a somber story, but I think it's important to share. Um, there was a um a guy in our neighborhood who um who who you know sold drugs and uh, interestingly interestingly enough, his mom and, and sister went to our church. And um, sadly he was killed and um, our pastor did the eulogy and it was an interesting eulogy because like, you know, typically the eulogy, even if someone isn't the most upstanding person in society, you still try to, you, pastors will, I think still like try to, you know, land home a message that makes the family feel good and like give you a takeaway of how to live your life. And our pastor was very direct about this funeral and he, um, he said, you know, when you when you're when you're born, you, you have the year, you know, on your tombstone, you have the year you're born, you have a dash, and then you have the year you the year you you die. And the dash represents your life. And the question you have to ask yourself every single day is what do you want your dash to say? What do you want your life to represent? That small dash represents the it's like it's you. It's the embodiment of you. And so um I think that's so important man you know um because like we were saying earlier life life is so um so fleeting and so how are you showing up every day that if this were to be your last that you feel like you lived your life to the fullest that you treated people well that you were additive to the human experience um you know you were additive to your community and and to the, um, the overarching ecosystem. And so I think that's
0: really important to me. Um, the third thing is- right, Sorry, Rashad, I'm yeah, going to pause exactly. you again, man. I, we're going to have to pause after each one because that that's an episode to itself, right? Like, yeah. are you living what you want your dash to say? I, and and I love that you have taken this from your your pasture, like another another person from your- you know, your background that has said, here's, here was something super powerful, but today is something that you say out loud every day that again, again, guides your daily actions. And, and you're so right. As you said that, um, I did an episode, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, October 15th, my sister passed away at 39. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about that, it, it, it just, again, brought back to me just to your point, how precious time is, and today are we living that dash? And are we making the most? And are we treating people the way that that they want to be treated? So that if this was our last day, that it was something that we we're proud of. I it I just yeah. want to say the way you told that really struck a chord to me and I appreciated um, I appreciate that. In fact, I've written it down and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out loud more than I have in the past.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Dr. King said it all the time. He's like, you know, it's not how long you live, it's how well you live. You know, how well do you live? And you know, he died at 39, was killed at 39, excuse me. And it's just like, you know, I can't think of a of a you know, very, very few other um Americans you can think of in the 20th century that had more of an impact in, in those in, in that such a short period of time than than King did, right? So you 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 know, you contextualize it, you know, I think like, you know, he's probably like on the higher end of like, you know, optimizing, you know, their life's, up you know, abilities and stuff. But I think, you know, it's a good example of um, how are you showing up um, every day in a way that, um, that is beneficial to, you know, to, to the world beyond yourself. And I think, so the third one is what kind of leader do you want to be? Um, you know, and for me, this was one, you uh, to each point, all these are tied to individuals that I've kind of like experienced in life. And Scott O'Neill, who I know you know really well, is a great example because, funny enough, I, you know, um, Scott was the reason why I was able to get an interview at Mass Square Garden Company, which then led to me ultimately working there. But you know, I probably over the time my two years over at the garden, I probably spent one-on-one an hour with Scott over those two years. Um and of course we had like our we had our 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 weekly like all hands meetings that he led um and I other times of group settings with him but probably one-on-one an hour and you cannot tell me I wouldn't run through a wall for that man. Um he just had such an incredible um spirit. He led by example. Um and he really made sure that we were a team first organization. And to this day, I'm 34. I, I, you know, worked for Scott when I was 24. I think. Yeah, 10 years ago. <laughs> and still, like, he is, the, he is the leader that I kind of think back to. If you, when you started at Master Square Garden, you sat with, you sat down with Scott. It's the first meeting you had. And he gave you a book to read. Actually, no, you got the book first. And then uh, two weeks after you read the book. Um, you then sat down with him. He asked you about the book. He answered questions that you had, and um, and then you know he again like he led with this with this with the purple buffalo um, kind of uh, you know I you know the whole thing around that around you know we move together we we work together we succeed together, and um, I think back to him and then you know frankly I have all the leaders that I worked with that weren't the best. Who also serve those as, as examples and learnings of like you know like um, you know kind of some of the the white spaces that they left that you you would want to um, have been filled, and so you use those things as like kind of juxtapositions to kind of come up with like what kind of leader do I want to be? How do I want to support people? How do I want to you know be a part of people like um, you know feeling fulfilled day day in and day out and not come to work with. A level of stress on their on their spirit but a level of excitement and, and and um and uh and passion and so i try to always think about like being the best leader that i could be and using the examples in the past that were great and not so great as like kind of like um as benchmarks
0: oh my gosh and, I, I you know it's interesting as you say that the the, the opportunity of leadership is a real privilege Yes, And what you've just described 10 years ago today, because of a leader that was so influential, that to your point, like over two years, collectively, you maybe had an hour with this individual. Because of that, though, you literally, it's one of your questions you ask yourself every day. And it's the benchmark in which you're trying to create your, the way that you lead. And, yeah. and so all of us, if you're in a leader, it doesn't matter if you're a leader position, right? If you're a spouse, if you're a friend, if you're a husband, your father, a mother, you have that opportunity to be that inspiration and to leave that legacy so that when somebody thinks about leadership, you're the example they're trying to be. That's an, I love question number three, my friend.
1: Yeah, and what you said is so spot on, right? It's like, I want people to say like, man, okay, um, like, you know, Rashad led with his core values of empathy, integrity, determination, loyalty, loyalty, and community. And by the way, I had my whole team do your core values exercise. And so like, you know, every, like the better, you know, yourself, the better leader you can be. And it's like, like, you have to do the inner work first. And I think that's, and to your point, I love what you, your, your point you brought up. It's like, it's beyond just the workplace. The better you know yourself, the better it's the better husband you can be, the better wife you can be, the better father you can be. Um, you know, like it it, it translates to so many different other spaces. Um, but it's re- like you got to be able to do the inner work, you got to understand what you know, um, the type of person that you want to be. So, going back again to what do you want your dash to say? Like, you know, are you prepared to meet the moment today? Like, are you being the best version of yourself? Because you know, the example I always use also is, um, you know, on the airplane, they always tell you, like, if you run out of oxygen or if the plane's going down and, you know, the oxygen masks drop, the first thing they tell you to do is you put your mask on first and then you help the person next to you. If you don't do it yourself, you don't put your mask on first, you can't help anyone. So, you, you know, how can you be a great leader um, if you are not sure of how to, you know, about your self-confidence, about... like why you exist in this world and what drives you the type of person that you want to be. If you don't have that, you can't lead anyone. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you're, I, and you're such an example of intentional growth. That's I mean, and, and it shows in the way that you can talk about your, your leadership and your examples is because you've taken time to think about that. And so I think the other thing I would encourage everyone, as you're listening today is, is just to pause. In fact, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, "This has actually been therapeutic for me already." And I'm thinking to myself, "I I need to pause a little bit here." And there are some areas in my own leadership that I'm like, "I can be better in." And I'm, you know, and I'm literally replaying a conversation I had with my 18 year old daughter, saying, "Wait a minute, that if that I can be better, I (laughs) could." And and so I just, I'm already saying, "Thank you." Okay, Hit, hit us with number four.
1: Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say though on that is that we're all work works in progress. like you know, I think that's also important to acknowledge. A lot of times I think we a lot of people they sit in these rooms or they do the conferences or whatever and they're you know they sound like they have it all figured out. I think all of us are we're all works in progress until we actually leave this earth. We're all still trying to figure it out. I love that. Um, and so I think like you know acknowledging that and giving yourself that grace, that you're not always going to get it right, you know, um, is also okay. You know, mm-hmm. so I just want to also mention that, but yeah, number somebody, four is, somebody uh, needed to
0: hear that today is give uh, yourself some grace. I love yeah, that. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always hold space for other the people, but it's all, you know, it's also important to hold space for yourself. Um, but the, the fourth one is how will you sense your love today? And, um, you know, um, I think that uh, going back to Dr. King, sometimes I feel I will. I'm just being very vulnerable. Sometimes I feel kind of um, I don't know yucky for <laughs> invoking King because I feel like he's been so Santa Clausified, as I say, um, you know, it, you know, over the past you know few years. I think everyone kind of uses Dr. King to fit, you know, to, to to make them feel comfortable about you know how they see. Uh, civil rights and inequality and human rights in the world. Um, But I always remind people that, you know, King, at the time of his death, um, 72% of white people saw him, called him irrelevant. Um, 55% of black people disapproved of him. Wow. Um, I think it's important to know, you know, the FBI, Jeffrey Hoover called him the um, most dangerous um, person in the United States of America, and it is important to to, to frame because uh, here's this person who was disinvited from the White House, the FBI, you know, was phone tapping him, threatening him, calling him the most dangerous person in the world, and the only weapon he ever had was love. And you think about how powerful love is when you truly love people when you center love in the public square, when you bring love into the workplace, we bring love into the home. How powerful that really could be. You know? Um, and I think we you know we talk about love. but I don't think we truly um, have, um, um, I truly don't think we've, we've found a way to bring to find how to make love actionable day to day.
0: It's okay. an interesting. It's an interesting question, um, and first of all, thank you for sharing those kind of that context around Dr. King because I, I was not aware of that. And to your point, today the world embraces him, rightfully so, in terms of what he stood for, and uh, he was eloquent. I mean, still, I in my mm-hmm. mind, one of the best orators of our time. Yes, and but you think about that. That's not how it in back then what you've just said is not everyone knew that or saw that and but that did not deter him from love and i think I, I, my sense is and i i get this real sense you, you, there are some leaders that can lead with love because you feel it there's that spirit about them it's in their it. soul yeah but i yeah. think that's because they're they've taken time to understand what they're trying to do they're 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 asking the questions out loud every day and yeah. so i would encourage people and that's Rashad, that's one of the things you have in abundance is you have an, a, a generosity of spirit, but it's because you are intentional in it. And I, I, I just wonder if, we, if more of us were to be more intentional in our questions, in, in using that love, what would the workplace look like? And, and could we help create a bigger ripple effect? I just, that's such a great perspective.
1: You, you landed it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that's exactly it, right? If we actually brought, brought love into the workplace, what would that look like? And, you know, again, I'm not getting political, but I think about, like, you know, a lot of, some jobs don't even have um, maternity leave and paternity leave and, like, child health care and, you know, just all the things that we think about, like, you know, companies supporting things that, like, help, you know, employees be the best versions of themselves. Like, those things would be non-questions if we if love was in the workplace you know you think about the politics that show up in the workplace right like what happens when you leave a level of conscious capitalism like what does what can that look like and i think that is where you know having love in the workplace could be really transformative um, for folks and so that's something that I, i think about you know with my team um are there ways that i could be supportive like you know, it, 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 it's the small things, right? Like if someone on my team is going through a hard time, it's like that extra phone call. Hey, like what, how can I be a help? Like maybe they just want, they want someone to listen to, you know, someone just to hear them out, but like, how can I be helpful? Is there anything I can do? Like, you know, like can I drop off something at your house to, you know, to help you and your family through a hard time? You know, is there a cause that you're supporting that, you know, if I need to go running, run some laps to raise money for a cause, like I'll go out and do it. Like, how do we lead with a level of service, a service? How do we have a service leadership mentality? You know, um, uh, you know, what was the saying? You know, you can't lead people. If you don't love the people, you can't save the people if you don't serve the people, you know? And so like, you know, how do you lead with a level of love and level of service is really important. Um, I love
0: this. And I think a previous guest that um I was able to interview, his name's Nate Randall. And uh, he's an example like you of, I kind of feel like there's a new brand of leaders that are coming into the workplace. Uh, you know, you think about it, you like, you're, you're younger and you're, you're unafraid and unabashed to talk about love in the workplace, to talk about the power of your debt. Like these are things that I think some of our more senior leaders that are, you know, come from a different generation, that's foreign. And yeah. that's hard. And I think we're seeing this this wave of leaders that are saying, there's a different way to not only create a great place to work, but to also get performance. And I think that's why people, to your point, Rashad, now love working on your team, because yes, you're gonna hold them accountable and you're gonna require them to do great things, but you're not doing it through fear, you're doing it through love and in a different way to motivate.
1: Absolutely. I think every leader should also be in therapy. Another, I love that. I, I think it's so important, you know, it's again, like, you know, you know this, I was, I I work with you, I have a therapist, like, you know, you know, like you, I think it's important to like, you know, um, really pour into yourself, um, you know, because the, the, fifth, the fifth question is like, what's something kind do you want to say to yourself? That's something I ask myself, you know, um, and like, you, you have to, you know, one of the things I remember at one of my previous jobs, like I was having a hard time with a, with with a with with a senior person in the organization. Um, and I was like, man, I I, I, I I'm you know I'm being kind, I'm being like you know transparent. I'm like asking them for their opinion in the meetings. I'm like you know saying up lunches. I'm doing all the things that you know you you're kind of told to do that makes someone comfortable and open. And it was brick wall to brick wall. But then, you know, someone kind of explained to me some of the things that he was going through personally. And it's like, oh my God, like, I can't imagine going through that. And like, you know, and come to to find out like, he's kind of like blocked those things out. And like, you know, he would never dealt with those things. Those things are kind of just sitting with him. And like, man, like, you know, you think about how, you know, there's studies that show that how stress can eat you up and, you know, and like, you know, it's hard to compartmentalize things if you're holding it, you know, if things are bubbling up in your system and in your soul. And it's like, man, like, you know, like, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? It goes back to what we were saying before. Like, you really have to look inward and make sure you're taking care of yourself before you can take care of others. And so, you know, how can you be kind to yourself? And I think part of that is like, you know, I I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say it. I go to therapy every every Friday, <laughs> every week, uh, for you know, basically for the past almost three years now. Um, it's made a, a, a hell of a difference in my life. When you start your day with a good workout and with positive affirmations, like you really, you really are like unstoppable, right? Like you, you have the infinity stones. Like you, there's nothing that no one can no one can stop you at that point. And so, you know, I would encourage folks um to do those things, you know, in their life. And again, being a black leader, um, there's some additional stresses that I think we, I think we experience. Um, that um, I, I think everyone has their own journeys and their own things that they deal with. I think I know being a Black leader, there's some additional stresses that we deal with. Um, and I think it's so important, like even more so, I think, to take care of ourselves and, um, and um, making sure like, you know, we're speaking love and life into ourselves and we're getting the outside help that we need so we can show up every day and, um, and be the best people that we can be. Because the truth of the matter is like, if I don't do well in my role, like, um, there's, a, there's a likelihood, there's a chance that like they're not going to hire another Black man right behind me that's just the fact of the matter and so like it's really important that from you know that um that i when i leave that I sh- and i show up every day that um i'm i'm doing the best i can be so like in the event that i do leave that there's an opportunity for someone else to come behind me uh, and get the same opportunity
0: i really appreciate you sharing that because i think you know to your point in in you know the recognition of black history month I think there are some things that what you've just articulated as a successful leader, um, you've been able to do, uh, pave some wave um, for in different organizations that maybe traditionally that have not hired black leaders to the positions that you have. And so, to your point, like you're you're paving a way, but you also feel some some pressure for people to say, "Man, I want I don't want this just for me, but I want this." To help break down some barriers and to build up some some future generations of leaders, so that we have more diversity and more inclusion in the workplace.
1: Absolutely, it's like you know, I don't have a job; I have a mission. You know, like like you know, it's in, incredibly important to me. And like and also like you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't say it's to brag, but I'm one of the highest ranking, um, you know, black executives at Robin Hood. And so, as you could probably imagine, black employees reach out like, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. I'm having, I have a question on this, or, you know, can you mentor me? Can you come speak at this event? Or like, what are your thoughts on this? Or can you can you help us find more, you know, interns of color and like all these things that kind of come up and you, so, you know, you take, you're taking on your job and then you also want to be of course available and helpful to people within the organization and outside the organization. Um, so it's definitely like, you know, a different level of like, you know, I think, of um, of uh, you know high wire act that you kind of have to <laughs> you kind of have to walk day, day 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 to day, but you know I you know to your point though I also feel that things are getting better. Uh, I I'm so excited when I look at the next generation of leaders that are coming up behind me. Um, man, like I, I'm just so excited. Like you said, like you know there's two generations in front of me that like you know they have certain ways <laughs> that they kind of showed up you know with in, in work. Then you have like I think my generation that's becoming I think a, a little bit more uh, understanding and bringing love into the space. And then there's like the generation behind me, like they're all about love. They're all about you know you know showing up with your feelings and and I say in a good way. I, I don't mean that you know it, you know I, I don't mean that um, you know as as a as a slight remark. Like I love that. Like they lead with like you know how you feel and like making sure that the organization is you know aligned to their values and that. Um, that, you know, people have self-care is like an important pillar in, in the company and how they show up and they want anti-racist organizations like as as like that being a, one of the values of the company. Like that's a beautiful thing that we're moving into that type of space.
0: I'll tell you, I, I think Robinhood Financial is so lucky to have you. I'm also so excited to see where you're going to go and, and what you're going to do. I've got two questions before we yeah. close. Your favorite song. What are you listening to right now when you're working out?
1: Well, my favorite song right now um, is, (laughs) is um, She's Mine by J. Cole, She's Mine part two. Um, As you know, I'm having a baby, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, We're having a boy. So the song is about J. Cole, um, the rapper. He, um, he, um, you know, had his first child who was a daughter. And he named the song, She's Mine, after her. But one of the things he says in the song, is like, I never felt so alive. Um, i fall fallen in love for the first time. Um, and it's such a beautiful song. I love it. Uh, yeah, and I, I listen to it on repeat all the time. Um, <laughs> I think about, you know, anytime I talk to someone, I talk to you about this, I talk to anyone that has children, they almost all say a different version of, it's your heart in human form. It's your heart outside of your body, and um, even though he's not here yet, I feel that. When I'm working out, um, I have a playlist. Actually, I, I can actually send to you. Oh, I'll send me the playlist. playlist.
0: I'm going to put it in the notes.
1: Yes, I'll send you a playlist. It's a it's a workout playlist. I'll send it your way. Um, <laughs> it has a bunch of songs that I think you'll 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 thoroughly enjoy. Uh, you know
0: it's going to be good. Okay, last question, my friend. The name of the podcast: Small Things Make a Big Difference. What is one small leadership habit you're working on in 2022 that you believe is gonna make a big difference in your future son's life and in the lives of the people you interact with?
1: I think the main thing I'm working on now is I wanna be a better communicator. Um, You know, Moving into this next stage of my life and, you know, the things I want to do in the future, I think it's going to be incredibly important for me to be able um, I think sometimes, you know, you have, you have like kind of the vision, like kind of in your head, you kind of, can, you can almost see the whole roadmap, you can see the whole thing and it makes so much sense to you. Um, but I think for people to be able to execute on that, you have to really be able to communicate that really well. And then you have to really help inspire people um, to bring that vision to life day in and day out, which, as you can probably imagine, over Zoom um, <laughs> becomes a little it becomes a little bit difficult. And so, you know, like, how can I do a better job of communicating um, what we're trying to accomplish, um, what I'm trying, and what you know, and how the team can kind of hit its goals? So I think that's something I really want to get better at.
0: Oh, I love it. And you're already an incredible storyteller. And uh, as you, Rashad, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for um, being so generous with kind of what you're thinking and what you're doing. All of us will walk away being better from listening to this and hopefully start to say out loud their five questions that they're asking themselves every single day.
1: Absolutely, and the last thing I'd say, if you, if you and you could maybe cut this out if you want, no words. But I would say also that to, to leaders that are listening to this, and you know, uh, as we as you know, we, we talked about like we're now you know we're hanging to Black History Month. One thing that I think is so important for brands to do is to you know I think it's great to you know do the content piece that's highlighting Black figures and all of that. But the best way we can honor Black History Month is showing up for Black people today. And so thinking about how can your company support its Black employees, its Black staff, how do you bring more Black people into the C in the C suite? How do you bring more Black agencies and vendors um, into, 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 into your ecosystem? To me, I think that's the best way to honor Black History Month is to show for Black people today and tomorrow. I think that's really the best gift that you can give um, during this moment of incredible celebration of 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 black achievement and black contribution to to the world
0: uh rashad i couldn't thank you i that is not going out and i love it <laughs> thank you so much you're amazing my friend we'll talk again
1: all right man love you brother talk to you soon
0: I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of Small Things Make a Big Difference. If you've enjoyed it, share it with somebody, like it, star it, favorite it. But most importantly, I'm gonna ask you this. What are your five questions that you are asking yourself on a daily basis? Rashard gave us incredible insight. I'd love to hear from you. What will you take away? And what will you do differently that will help you be more intentional in who you're becoming? Now, I started this episode with a quote from John C. Maxwell. I will end with a quote from myself. And more of it might even be a question to you. So I ask you, my friends, where are you spending your time today? If you constantly put your goals off, you will never see them happen. Let's all be intentional in the small things that will help us become better. Have a great week.